Naked ABCs, where you know what? You've heard the intro. We've all been here before. My co-host tonight has been here many times. Aaron, welcome. True that. Hey, well, thank you very much. It's good to be here before again. <laughs> and joining us is a returning guest as well, Eric Butterworth. Eric, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's nice to be here again. And so tonight we're going to be discussing the Ed Robertson tune. Well, it's actually B&L, but written by Ed Robertson. Here before, let me give you a quick clip right here. And I've been here before. I don't need to go back anymore. All right, Aaron, you've heard the music. What album is it on? Uh, Silver Bowl. Did you guess that or do you know for a fact because you saw it on the on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this one was spoiled for me. I always do try and listen before I get the uh, image, but I Googled it and immediately saw that uh, pinball pop up. <laughs> so it was spoiled for me. However, I would like to think I would have gotten it right because this does sound a lot like a lot of the other songs on Silver Ball, which is a topic I will be discussing <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Also, I'd like to say it's nice to meet you, Aaron. Yeah, Eric. Same here. That's right. I mean, Aaron was not here the last time you were on, Eric. No, no, he wasn't. He was avoiding you. <laughs> That's right. Say you, not me, because he missed several. <laughs> yeah, we got into a dispute regarding uh, they might be giants. Yeah. No, he and, he and I had a falling out for a little bit. We don't want to go back over that. <laughs> <laughs> So why don't we get to talking about this song then? Um, I do want to jump over to the music, but before we do that, I want to talk about what Ed and Tyler think of this song. Because mm. on Spotify, each of the songs off Silverball have a commentary track. And you can go on, you can listen to all the commentary tracks. I'm going to cover a little bit of it right now. So they both think that the percussion on the song is very exciting. Um, as Tyler says, everyone gets to play a bass drum in this song, and there's lots of clapping. To him and to Ed, this was the stroke me, stroke me, will you rock me drum track that they were driving toward. Ed, and quickly like about the bridge, Ed thinks that this is the best bridge on the album. So that, that's an interesting statement, uh, and we'll come back to that in a little bit. But in the meantime, why don't we go over to Aaron for our quick breakdown of this song. All righty, let's break it down. The Here Before was recorded at 80 beats per minute. It's got a slow and steady beat that almost immediately evokes We Will Rock You by Queen. It is in a Mixolydian mode. And I'm going to do a, a little bit of a tangent here, talk about this. Uh, what that means is the scale and the chords you hear in the song are diatonic to D major. But the tonal center of the song is A, the fifth degree of the D major scale. So if you're listening at home and you want to hear the difference, if you have a piano, go to it. If not, you can go to virtualpiano.net, not a sponsor, and starting on the uh, D key, move up the D major scale. That's all natural or white keys except for C, which will be C sharp, and F, which will be F sharp. So D, E, F sharp, G, A, B, C sharp, D. Now play the same scale, but starting on the A, A, B, C sharp, D, E, F sharp, G, A. Uh, that second scale you just played is a Mixolydian mode. 
Um, it sounds similar to A major, with the exception, the big exception, I should say, being the seventh, which is a flat seventh as opposed to a natural seventh. But Aaron, I hear you cry. If this pretty much sounds like A major, why not just say the song is in A major? Well, because it's not. <laughs> in A major, the seventh degree, the G would be a G sharp, and it would be a diminished chord. Uh, in A mixolydian, the seventh chord is actually a major. It's a G major. So here you can bounce from your tonic to your fourth, to your seventh, back to your fourth, and repeat. And it sounds very bright and upbeat, whereas the seventh chord, which is diatonic to A major, would change the sound, the sound of the song uh, quite radically. And the reason this is so important is because that is pretty much all this song is. It bounces from the tonic or first degree uh, up to the major fourth, down to the major seventh, and then back up the major fourth again, resulting back to the tonic. Uh, so you have this very classic bouncy rock and roll riff, but because all the chords are major, every single one of them, uh, or with some exceptions as we'll discuss, it sounds very sunny and happy. Okay. <clears throat> So that, that's why it's different than the, the A mixolydian makes it different than just an A major. Exactly, yeah. It's mostly because of that seventh chord. Um, so for the verse, your A section is simply A major, D major, G major, D major. Ba, 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 over and over and over again. Uh, with the chorus, it's almost exactly the same, except we substitute the first D for a B minor, your second degree of the A mixolydian mode. So for the chorus, instead of A, D, G, D, it's A, B minor, G, D. But since the triads for B minor and D major share two out of three notes, you could be forgiven for not noticing this subtle change. Uh, I will say that the piano arpeggios are very nice and add to the light and airy feel, like you're up in the clouds. If I were to assign this song its own genre, I think I would call it cloud rock. That's a nice one. Uh, so your intro starts on B, your chorus changes with that B minor, and then you go to verse 1, which is your A section, your chorus, which is your B section, verse 2, which is your A section, your chorus, which is your B section. Then we move to the bridge. And here I wrote down an exclamation mark, almost like chess notation, because we have something different here. We have a, a, a slight change. Um, and that was what was interesting to me. So I did not know that uh, Ed considered this to be the best bridge of the album. I haven't heard all of the album, obviously, but I do think easily the bridge is the best part of this song, in my opinion. Maybe just because, again, it's, it's something different. Um, at the end of the second chorus... Uh, you, they're moving chromatically up from B to D, which I will admit I kind of enjoyed. It sort of had a faint aftertaste of Jellyfish. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> with that band, great band. Uh, but it was like not, the musical... Not the animal. The, the no, not the, <laughs> the band, Jellyfish. Power pop from the 90s. Uh, it was like the musical equivalent of what, like a LaCroix, right? Not much taste, but there was this faint impression of flavor. Uh, and... <laughs> From here we go D to G to A, and then walk up chromatically to D again. So a very simple D, G, A progression repeated until the end of the bridge where it goes back to the A by way of extending the last G chord uh, to build tension, move down to the D, and then resolving to A in the same way it has been throughout the whole song. Now you may have noticed A, D, and G aren't those the same three chords we've been hearing over and over again. How can this be different? Well, it's because of the way we're moving from them. So we're starting on the D in this case, then moving to the G, and then resolving to the A. Uh, it's got a bit more of a classic rock structure there, and that's why it kind of sounds so, like, it really kind of hits you. You know, that, that bridge really actually makes an impact. <clears throat> As a musician, is yeah. there a reason that you would pick a mixolydian for a song like this? Is there, in terms of... Yes. Like... Okay. I think just because um... he likes that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's specifically, like I said earlier, it's uh, 
if you're going to use a seventh chord, if you're in a major scale, it's a diminished chord. Um, so if you want to use a seventh chord and you want like a, a nice rocking song and you want it to stay bright and happy sounding, uh, Mixolydian allows you to do that because you're, you're staying in major chords throughout. So rather than having to throw in a, a, a minor third and, uh, and potentially even a, a, a flat fifth, which is going to sound a little maybe dissonant, uh, depending on the style of the song you're, you're doing. Uh, this allows, they're just basically, this is all major all the time with that one exception being the B minor chord, uh, in the chorus. And like I said, that's so subtle. It's, it's almost, uh, almost inaudible. Is there so a reason th that he would want to use, other than just being a music nerd, which we know that Ed is, and, <laughs> and the whole band is, but other than just being a music nerd and maybe liking that note, yeah. is there a reason that using a seventh in this song would make sense? Well, I mean, my guess is, you know, he probably was not intending to write it in Mixolydian. He very well may have. Uh, but more, it's probably more likely he just heard the riff in his head. And uh, the way that it's written happens to be Mixolydian. Again, it's, it's, it's for the chords that this song is using. It's making it brighter. It's making it happier. It's making it more upbeat and, and peppy and, and kind of poppy. And that's what gives this song, that's what the cloud feeling I was talking about earlier. It stops it from giving it quite, you know, too much of an edge or too much dissonance. And it keeps it very much up in the air and very much uh, just kind of happy-go-lucky. Okay. <clears throat> so I do so, like that sound about it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely good. It's definitely got like an energy to it. Uh, I love the fact that it comes in with that beat, you know, and the very much We Will Rock You, like I said, and who doesn't love that? <laughs> it reminds me um, of a lot of the songs off, off this album and yeah. even some off from Grinning Streak as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I'll talk, I'll talk about that a little bit probably later as well. But yeah, I mean, essentially, it's a very simple song. Now, if you're just tuning into our show for the first time, yes, I am a music snob. Yes, I can enjoy simple music and simple songs. Simplicity can be beautiful or it can be boring. Uh, like so many things, the magic is in how it is wielded. Uh, however, I personally feel that the Bare Naked Ladies are at their best when they're being musically adventurous and playful. And this song just sounds, I, I don't want to say generic, but it just kind of, I don't know, like, I, I don't know, I might be uh, <laughs> tipping my hand here. But uh, aside from a few interesting keyboard flourishes, thanks to like Kevin and Ed's hard to mistake voice, I feel like this could have been like a Matchbox 20 song. Mm-hmm. That's just me. <laughs> so, no I, I like the riff rocking and the, I like the bridge. I like the piano solo and Kevin's playing throughout. It's well produced. I like the vocal harmonies. They're well done. It's certainly not a bad song. It doesn't offend my sensibilities. But comparing it to some of the more interesting and adventurous songs of BNL's past, I just can't quite get as enthusiastic about this tune. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you, Eric? What are your thoughts on the music? We'll get to the lyrics in a little bit, but about the music with this song. Yeah, for sure. I, I obviously can't comment to the Mixolydian or the sevenths or the B minors <laughs> or anything, but uh, this is this is one of those B&L songs to me that it's it's got that crunchier sound, that harder mm -hmm. sound. It's more of a wall of sound than, mm -hmm. you know, when you hear them coming out with it. It's a, just a little different. I, I know like a lot of people say, well, it's not their beginnings. It's not where they came from. It's not, it's different, but I, no, it makes sense. But yeah, when when you had Tyler come in and he brought in that rock drive and it progresses throughout the ages as they go and you know they get these songs every now and then and I've found a lot of them since I think Grinning Streak there's a lot of ones kind of like this that you know they like to start off the albums. Uh, I don't know if Aaron knows where on the album this one is, but Number 2. But they like to start these newer albums off with a lot of songs like this. Uh, Fake Nudes is a little different with Canada Drive, mm -hmm. but I love these Wall of Sound ones where they get 
just a little bit more of that crunch in the guitar and a lot more on the you know bigger badder drum kit sounds and i still find that when you get kevin in there bringing in i mean andy was obviously a beautiful keyboardist for the band but i've always thought the absolute same of kevin yeah. when i was yeah. younger i actually couldn't tell the difference between the two when i was younger yeah no i mean they they both are extremely talented musicians but they're phenomenal and so yeah when you get this this rocking song coming out with the the big heavy crunches and then you get kevin bringing his light fingers in there with the what were you saying they were arpeggiated yeah yeah in the chorus there's that arpeggiated line i really enjoyed that too yeah and even that beginning i i kept thinking i was trying to remember all day today what what that opening piano bit after that opening beat that that piano line it always has reminded me of something ever since this album came out and of course today was the one day i couldn't remember what it reminded me of <laughs> but there is an older older song that i know that 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 piece always reminds me of and it just i don't know i as soon as this song kicks on i hear that and i know i'm in for a good song <laughs> it's got a um that piano line in the beginning yeah it it's got almost a country-ish feel to it or like a southern rock feel to it almost like a leonard skinner's kind of thing going on um, yeah and even if you listen to the i don't know if you watch the english version of the office but it had the uh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that that was hand i don't know if their opening was handbags and glad rags their closing was for sure but um if their opening was as well this is this is reminiscent of that opening theme yeah, yeah, that's not the one it reminds me of but yeah, I know what you mean. Though it's like a, like a, that kind of sound. And as far as the production, I do agree. Like I said, I, I like it's very well produced. Thinking about it now, I actually feel like I would probably like this song more if I heard this in a live show. Like especially if they came oh, out with yeah. it, it seems like a great opening one, and you could just like feel the bass in your chest. That would that would probably be quite stirring. According to Setlist FM, though, they've only ever played this four times live. Yeah, really. <laughs> that I was shocked. I looked at that. <laughs> this would be an amazing live song. Like it, it just—it's that rocker. And he talked about the clapping, and this would be one of those songs that you could get the audience ground in with. You know, you could get them to join in. And so it, it's kind of interesting. They ha they only did it four times. Literally, I think four shows in a row, and then just maybe it didn't pick up. Because people hadn't heard the album enough, and so people were like, "That doesn't sound like B and L." They couldn't join in, and so they just didn't respond to it. But like, this huh. would be a crowd rocker. Yeah, I don't think I wouldn't go as far as to say it doesn't sound like B and L. Um, I, well, I, know, I, I think it sounds like them, but it sounds—it's not their typical sound, and so it's a little bit outside of their circle. Yeah, I it think. definitely sounds like an anthem rocker. Yeah, and it's second era BNL, which I mean, yes. a lot of people, True. you know, a lot of original fans don't fall in line with that second era of BNL, which I find has just been a progression and a slight, you know, shift in their direction to, yep. you know, they they do put out a few more, mm -hmm. I, as Aaron says, anthem rockers. Um, are we talking about vocal uh, oh. melodies yet? Not lyrics, but just the... Just the we can get into the vocals, because... Yeah, go for it. I, I mentioned that I like the harmonies, but I haven't really talked about the melody, if you want to get into it. Yeah, because I don't know, like, one of the reasons why this song just jumps at me so much is Ed's obviously strong most of his songs, but this one, when he opens up and belts out, I think that's the bridge. 
uh, when he really starts belting out mm-hmm. and when he really opens up into the last outro verses. I, I don't remember your order of them. <laughs> when he opens up and he really brings up his vocals and his range and he heads up into his higher registers, like. Yeah, when he launches into that chorus, I agree. There's a lot of energy there. It's just as powerful as when Steve does, you know, uh, Break Your Heart or something. I find that that's Ed's powerhouse moves. And I love when he does that. I love when he opens up his range like that. No, I agree with you. I, I really like it when he does. I, I'll disagree a little bit that I don't, I don't feel like it's as powerful as Steve when he really, like, puts the emotion in. Like, when, when Steve, like, fully delves into his his dark mode and like, and break your heart. And like, <laughs> to me, that's like, just, <laughs> it's not the same level. I agree with that for sure. That's not what I said. I just mean, it's, it's uh, his version of that. Oh, oh yeah. And it is, it is his powerhouse. It is his strongest piece that, and when he goes really kind of relaxed and soft, like with, you know, he makes me want her again. Like those are his big strength spots. And, and we do hear that in the song, especially when he, he'll dive into that high note really, and then come back down out of it. Like this definitely has a queen like feel like they were trying to aim into that queen direction with this song. Um, And of course, queen is one of my big, big bands that I love. So, Oh, you um, too. (laughs) No, not you too. Queen. (laughs) Who's on first. Got to make those jokes every time I see them. (laughs) So I, I suppose we, yeah, let's, let's jump into the lyrics. And I can kind of blend us in with that because I like the rhythm of his singing in this song, um, which is a musicality of it. And I, and I, I dig that he's doing something different with the rhythm in this song than he does in a lot of the other songs. Uh, he's kind of mixing up the speed and how he's saying the words. Um, there's not a lot of play with the words themselves in terms of, in terms of rhyming in the middle of a word or anything like that. It's just the way that he's spitting this out. It's not a rap. It's not, it's kind of a blend of rapping and singing at times and and his his singing actually um, is percussionistic in a lot of spots try putting on a brave face why everything is giving way like an undercut with a bank knowing that you might go swimming but it doesn't matter anyway yeah I mean that's almost uh, to make a comparison to like classic opera. They had the arias, which were like the straight up songs, then the recitative, which was basically like your dialogue between the songs. And they would they would kind of just assign notes to the words, but they were kind of sing talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't I would <laughs> just to backpedal a bit. I'm not saying that Ed is sing talking on the verse of this song here. No, no when I say sing talking, I always think of like Rex Harrington and My Fair Lady. <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, or like that Mr. is very much, yes, yeah, Mr. Banks and uh, <laughs> Mary Poppins. That's not what he's doing. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I agree that there, there's a. I think that's one of the things I like about this is that there's a, a, a clear shift. I, I mentioned that you know we got a lot of the same things going on uh, as far as the chords are concerned, but the feel does shift. You know, the 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 verse and and the chorus are quite different. He really belts out that chorus and goes you know stretching sonically, which I do like. Um, and that, yeah, the verse is a bit more percussive, as you said, Tracy. I think that's a good word to describe it. So, you know, the, there's three distinct feels in this song that it changes between. And, um, yeah, it, it does provide you, interestingly enough, with, with quite a bit of uh, a kind of range, despite being more or less like a three-chord song, almost entirely. So what do you guys think that this song is 
about? Because to me, it seems to kind of be in a lot of Depression. different places at once. <laughs> Is this based on you already knowing what Tyler and Ed said about it versus what we're hoping we know? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Okay. No, no, they they didn't tell me anything about what the song is actually. I, I thought it was. About, I thought it was in the Spotify note. Usually, usually no. we're bringing a knife to a gunfight with Tracy here with his extensive knowledge. <laughs> That's a good question. Like, yes, I do set people up for that. No, in this in this situation, I was looking for. I was hoping to find it so I could, because I, I like to understand a song when I go into it rather than just hear it and to let it envelop me. I like to to have it tell me a story and. I will be honest, I couldn't quite get the story he was trying to tell. The only thing I pulled out of it was this is a song about mistakes and pretending that things don't bother you. Yeah, I think it's a getting back up song. It's a, it's like uh, it's, it's the Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping kind of uh, feel I get. You know, it's like, well, it's interesting you say that, Aaron. Because, yeah. And you don't know this because you don't have the album. Oh, yes. But Aaron, song number I, one, it's Get Back Up and then Here Before. Ah, which are two very harder rockers on the album like that's their harder more distorted sound well thematically those those titles run together very well yeah and so yeah get back up i've been here before we can we can get past this but that's how yeah that's how kind of i i felt it sounded like it was maybe about depression like when you recognize you're sleeping into kind of a depressive episode or maybe just exiting one and you're just trying to drag yourself out of it. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of times when you're suffering from something like that, just the basic tasks of daily life, maintaining and brushing your teeth and, and putting your shoes on can seem like a struggle. So I feel like this, this and maybe this is my own uh, experience flavoring this, but I do feel like this kind of reminded me of somebody kind of trying to move on after recognizing they've been in that space and trying to pull themselves out. Which is interesting because the song that finishes this album, and we haven't gotten to this one yet, but is Tired of Fighting With You. And you can get the whole idea of that song by the title. Mm. And thematically, between Get Back Up and I've Been Here Before and then I'm So Tired of Fighting. I mean, well, it really bookends this album in a lot of another ways. Another song that we have covered in the past and is quasi referred to in the lyrics is fall back he says that why would i fall back into the storm i don't know if you have to bleep me there not tracy but uh <laughs> oh no we're gonna have to definitely bleep ourselves several times fall on back on yeah <laughs> uh, that's just part of the song we don't bleep it i'm <laughs> <laughs> just quoting lyrics man no it's it, that's risque like they like to go every now and then and try some some risque stuff out there mm-hmm but yeah, no, so I think I appreciate this. Again, I'm really, this is one of the nice things about this show, right? Is I can listen to something and I can hear other people's perspectives on it and it can kind of shine a new light on it and make me appreciate it more. Um, lyrically, I think there's some connective tissue with several other songs on the album. There certainly seems to be. Um, and I appreciate that kind of overarching. You know, I like themed music. I like programmatic music. I like concept albums. I wouldn't go so far as to call Silverball a concept album. Although, you know, I, I, I didn't write it, so maybe it is. But yeah, I, I, I appreciate that they've kind of connected. It sounds like three or three or more songs, maybe three or four in the lyrics here. Um, they're connecting to on the on the album. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned Fall Back On because that was mm-hmm. the song that was taken off the album. It was this album they took it off from. Yeah. But thematically, it mixes with those other three songs that are on the album. And I don't know if they felt like they were going into too dark a space. And they're like, no, let's pull ourselves out of this a little bit more. I don't hear the darkness in most of the songs that everyone else hears. I I, I usually hear the more 
positive aspects <laughs> of a song. And this one, for example, I, I don't peg this as a, so much as almost a single point in time and a conceptual thought that just, you know, appears in your head as like a full concept, but he has to take time to write it out. And I view it as like, you know, much like Aaron says, when like the world's kind of slipping away and going to hell in a handbasket <laughs> he's got this mentality of he's seen this before he's now making the promise if you will the the goal the decision to not be here again because it's happened before i i view it as more of a positive end goal to a negative point in time well and that's an interesting perspective on it and and i one of the things that it kind of makes me wonder about that though is the bridge so on this bridge which are very interesting kind of uh, looks at it. So maybe I'll squeeze back into this suit I paid way too much for because you can feel bad these days for free. Part of what I was wondering is like, what is that supposed to mean? Is that him trying to say like, all right, I'm here, I'm in this relationship. You know what? It's gonna be just as bad elsewhere, so I might as well stay. Or is this him saying I should get out? Like I can't get his metaphor here. I normally disagree with you whenever you bring up uh, Steve or the past band or anything. I usually disagree heavily with that, but I, I almost view it as that mentality in this. You know, he's, he's been in a certain spot and he's, you know, wh why squeeze back into that suit? Why squeeze back into that hole that he was in before when he's got this whole new horizon, this whole new world that he can explore without trying to pigeonhole himself again as to right where he was before. Eric. Yeah. Right? Are you suggesting that this is Ed's Salisbury Hill? No, because I don't know the reference behind uh, Salisbury Hill. I love the song. I don't know the meaning behind it. I Peter, love it. Peter Gabriel wrote that explaining why he left Genesis to start a solo career. Is that what that one's about? Yeah. I love that song. That's a great song. What I understand is Peter Gabriel did not leave Genesis to start a solo career, though. Like, he's even come out and said so. Like, he left his career to go and, and be with his family, and then... After a few years, the spot was filled, and he was like, you know what, I'm not going to go back and refill a spot that's taken. You know what, I'll start my own solo stuff. That's Andy right there. Yeah. <laughs> Good interview with him, by the way. Oh, thank oh, that you. Was fun. That was yeah, a lot of fun. That was, little, that was really cool. So I think you could both, you know, so Tracy's putting this in the context of relationship, possibly a romantic relationship, but I like Eric is, is suggesting it might have to do with his relationship with, with Steve, uh, which is very, very possible as well. I'm or seeing even with it. the fans almost. Oh yeah, you know that's true oh, as well. That's, that's yeah. true as well. Like, hey, I don't need to. I'm not your performing monkey. <laughs> 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 I don't need to just play, uh, you know, uh, one week over and over again. I, I can do this other thing here. Uh, so, and I can totally respect that uh, as someone who has uh, performed uh, originals on stage. <laughs> so that yeah, that's that's all very interesting. I I was thinking of it in a more general sense of just kind of like um, struggling with with your mood or struggling with. You know, he made allusions to uh, waking up on the wrong side of the bed and things like that. So, um, I yeah, I mean, it could be any of these things, all of them or, or none of them. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I think the the, uh, the lyrics are evocative but nonspecific enough that, that maybe that's the beauty of it is you can apply it to, to your life in whatever way you feel like it applies. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that irritates me about the song, though, is, is <laughs> it is that it's not ambiguous enough that you can definitively be... I, I suppose you can fit into a lot of things, but then again, it tells so many different stories without telling stories. Like, three different kind of different scenarios without saying much at all that I'm like, well, 
tell me something. Tell me how you feel, and I can say whether or not that I, fits how I feel. I've seen Ed do this before lyrically, and I think the analogy I would like to use is a lyrical haiku. It's okay. just expressing a feel. <laughs> it's just expressing uh, an atmosphere rather than mm -hmm. trying to, to go and, and tell you anything specific. It's evocative. And I think that's a perfect analogy because I hate haikus. <laughs> <laughs> I would I explain that's a great it. analogy because that's almost what I was trying to say. It's almost mm. like a singular concept that just is there in your head. And when you write it out, it's maybe not fully formed. Yeah. I mean, he does present what this feels like. He does a good job of paint. It's almost like a watercolor painting that is there to present very ambiguously this feeling that you're supposed to have without telling you what the scene is that you're supposed to be having this feeling about. So he, he's kind of in, he's planting some things out there, like the falling into the puddle. But when he does use met metaphors, one of my problems was that the metaphors are a little bit mixed. So like in the second verse, he says, if he's looking at his reflection, so he's talking about looking at his reflection and falling into the water because there's not enough support underneath and then you fall face first into this puddle. But that's the problem. You fall face first into the puddle. Your reflection's getting bigger. Totally get it. Great job. How does he end up on his butt? He's falling face first. Wrong direction there, buddy. It's, I believe that is what's known as falling ass over tea kettle. <laughs> I was going to say, man, you really got to dissect this if you're thinking of the actual physics behind the matter. Yeah, I, I don't think it was meant to be interpreted that, that, uh, that literally, but I don't know. I... Well, that's my problem is I, oh, See, I was just you... telling someone this earlier. I overthink things. I'm the person that on a test, I would bring it up to the teacher and they would look at me and they're like, no, Tracy, you're, yeah. you're, you're overthinking it. That's why you're yeah. getting it wrong. Don't, don't overthink I don't think, it. He doesn't want you to think. He wants you to feel. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the teacher's telling you uh, it's one plus one doesn't equal window. It equals it, it's two. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, that's interesting because you and I differ there, Tracy. I kind of like when uh, there's a bit more room for interpretation in lyrics. But then again, as, as a uh, ad admitted and avowed Radiohead fan, my favorite band uh, has some of the most ambiguous and obscure lyrics in the world. <laughs> Very <so>. true. <laughs> that changed from Young the Giant at some point? <laughs> Wait, what? That, they might be giants. <laughs> oh, I still love They Might Be Giants, but no, Radiohead's been my favorite band since probably OK Computer that, Hit. That yeah, we're not going to get into that fight again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's trying to stir... Stir stuff up. No. I <laughs> We're not going to take it outside. That was a staged uh, wrestling fight anyways. That was <laughs> That's right. Peeling back the curtain here. But... Wrestling's never staged. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Legit. All right. Now, that makes sense. And and what you're saying, Aaron and, and Eric, is very much like, and this is my way of kind of putting it, and I think Mill would probably slap me for saying it, but I think it's true. <laughs> we'll find out next week when we talk to them. But one of the things that I think Kevin's songs are about the feel. They're about to make, they are there to make you feel something. And I think you're right. That's what this song is there to do, is to there to present a concept, an emotional concept that you're supposed to then attach to and connect to. Um, and so from that direction, I think it makes sense and it works. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I like it. I said it works. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious now to see uh, what our scores are going to be. I'm, I'm, uh, well, do we have any more that we want to add about this song? 
<laughs> I mean, it's a straight. It's a very straightforward song. You know that. that Depending on uh, your point of view, that's a good thing or a bad thing or a, a neutral thing. But it is a very straightforward anthem riff rocker. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I mean it's it's fairly it's fairly simple and straightforward musically. It's evocative, but not uh, particularly specific lyrically. So yeah, I think it's probably natural that it was a fairly short episode. <laughs> I almost think it could just be one of those songs that almost means one thing to him, and he wrote it. You know, it could be deliberately ambiguous, just so that it yeah. can mean whatever whoever's listening to it wants. I've definitely done that before, where I wrote a very personal song and was like, "This is too personal. <laughs> Let's depersonal, yeah. run it through the filter a little bit, <laughs> back it up a little bit, and then yeah. anybody who hears it thinks yeah. oh, they relate to it in this. their own manner." Yeah, yeah. Well, that is be. very, very uh, out outwardly expressive about this album and this was a very quick album for him he went in and wrote this album he was expecting to go to sit down and write three or four songs and wrote 19 songs <laughs> and then sent them to the band he he is very emotionally connected into these songs um and loves them so i mean i think that's part of it is that yeah these are songs that mean something to him that maybe he doesn't want to directly say out loud but is saying them what an apt album to call silver ball especially after that because i mean it's you know something that is i'm sure the other guys may like pinball but that is an ed oh. thing and you know if if the songs all mean that much to him why not call the album something that means that much to him as well yeah makes sense and it's the only album if i am correct uh, other than Snack Time, that has a song that the album is named after. Because we don't have that with All in Good Time, because that song was taken off the album. We have it with Snack Time, but that's the children's album that's kind of ap that's kind of outside the the domain a little bit. And then I I don't think there's a song called Grinning Streak, so I think this no, is... No, there's not. So this nor is, is there fake yeah. nudes, nor is there blam yeah. or blamming or everything to everyone. or Yeah, go back all the way. There's Except for you know, Ballad of Gordon, but that's not even on Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about here before. We're not talking about Silver Ball, so we'll have to come back to that. Plenty of time to research all that and make sure I got it right. Eric, do you have any more to add about this song? Because I, I don't have a lot more notes about it. Like, it... No, honestly not. I, I <clears throat> Other than the fact that, you know, Aaron relates to typically the complexity and or just musicianship and artistry behind the music typically, and you know, I know you like to connect a lot with the, the lyrics and I do neither. I, I connect with the song just based on the hold of, you know, just listening to it overall because I, I know most of the songs and most of the lyrics to most of the songs and I, I connect with them on not the lyrical or the musical side. That's an entirely different process for me that I can't uh, vocalize in any coherent manner. So... I can't say anything else to it other than, you know, just how the overall feel of the music and the vocals and the lyrics just together as one unit yeah. work for me. Well, that's the whole point of the podcast, so it works. <laughs> and we got three different points of view on it. That's perfect. Well, why don't we put some numbers to this then? This week's rating is, and get ready, plug your ears quickly, <laughs> audience, because this week's rating is how many storms do we give this rating? <laughs> oh, that's why he said we we're going to be bleeping a lot. <laughs> Perfect option. <laughs> In a life full of shitstorms. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> it's apropos of the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
As we go through our own personal storms, I want to know how much does this song add up to our personal storms? How many more yodels can we get in? I'm going to be using that bleep all through this episode. Go wear out that macro on your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Why don't we start with you, Aaron? We'll give our we'll give our guest a minute to kind of think this over. Sure. And... Thank you. <laughs> I actually ended up slightly revising my score for this tune based on our conversation. Initially, I was going to give it a 3.3, which is, you know, still above average. Average is 2.5, really, not even 3, mm -hmm. so that's, that's pretty good. But, you know, after speaking with Eric and you, and again, when I, especially when I kind of closed my eyes and envisioned myself hearing this song... Like, as the lights come on at, like, a huge arena show or something like that, I could really, really kind of feel what this was going for. And uh, and as well, just talking about the lyrics and the kind of connective tissue there with the other songs on the album, I appreciate it a little more. It's still, you know, not one of my favorites out of the whole catalog, but I think it's pretty good. And uh, I'm going to give this song 3.5 storms out of 5. Still okay. not a bad song, even definitely above average. It's a good straight-up rocker with some noteworthy elements, which we talked about which I think sets it um, sets it a cut above. So, Ed, love right. you, man. Love your music. I know you listen. Come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, how many do you give this song? Zero to five. Zero to five. Uh, nothing's a zero, so that's easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, this song, I, was, I think I was originally going to put it in the four range, but then I realized I... I routinely look this song up. I routinely go to this album just for this song. I, I belt this song at the top of my lungs whenever it's on and I don't skip it. I, so I, I'm going up from a four. I'm going to put it at a four and a half. Ooh, very nice. Oh, I don't deal in multiple tiny little increments. I, I'm, I'm fine narrowing it down to quarters. So, so this is only two steps up for me. 4.2371. <laughs> well, after you have to rank a hundred and something songs, like it starts after a while to get to that point. Mm. <laughs> We're on song 106 right now. Yeah, like I'm it. having trouble differentiating. It's, it's true. What about you, Tracy? Based on all of these wonderful ratings that I've got in here before, I'm comparing it to other songs that I've rated. And I have to say, I like this song. I like the guitar. I like the drum start. Um, it has a nice rock sound. It's well produced. Um, I, could, I could listen to it, and I have this week listened to it a million times. Um, is it Brian Wilson? Definitely no. I do feel, and I haven't said this before this moment, but I feel it goes on a little bit too long at the end. I feel they could have done something different with the ending. Um, and maybe that was um, programmatic. I don't know. But I, I, it didn't work for me. It's typical, but, but slightly better than the average alternative rock song. Um, I could see this on the radio and I would listen to it, but I wouldn't seek it out. There's nothing for me that's like extremely special with this song where i'm like i have to listen to it um so for me i would say this is a three wow that's still that's it's, still a respectable score it's still a respectable score i mean i do like this song and i and i and enjoy it and like if it came on i would definitely not change it i would listen to it and i would actually enjoy it more than most of the stuff that's on the radio right now so and i gotta say it's it's a low score for me but i mean one of the things i said to you on half a heart was that 
Yeah, I'm happy to come back for the newer songs because somebody's got to bring these albums up, and I'm I'm glad. <laughs> Aaron, I thought was the hardest target to hit, and he he raised his score. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's we we'll have you back on the newer songs anytime that you want because someone has got to give these higher scores, uh, especially those ones that you think are gonna really tank. I'll I'll help out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so getting to our appearance this week, it's not a real appearance, but I I wanted to highlight it <clears throat> because I, um, as I pull a Peter Brady moment there, um, I, I wanted to highlight what I thought was one of the big things of the song, which is Tyler's drumming. Mm. Um, it is it is really amazing in this song, um, and if he's not just being facetious in that interview and. And truly, honestly, everyone had a bass drum or everyone had a drum and they were playing it for this song. That is truly amazing. It, the drum really works. Um, and so with that said, I want to highlight and, and recommend that people go out and listen to an album if you can find it. <clears throat> it's very hard to find. I actually like, searched over eBay, spent money, a lot of money to get this. Is the T- Don't Talk Dance CD. Um, it is where... I, is playing the drums on the CD the whole entire time. It's the only outside project that I know of uh, that Tyler did consistently through the whole album rather than just doing one or two songs. And Ed comes in during the first song and does all the rapping for it. So it's really kind of cool there. Um, The uh, singers are Chris Brown, Tyler Stewart, and Gordy Johnson. It was edited and mixed by uh, Michael Philip Voyevoda, so we're going back to the old, like into the old stuff there. So it's it's actually a really good album. It's kind of interesting. It goes kind of all over the place and does a number of different things. Um, it's jazzy at times. It's rap at times. It's hard at times. So it's it's kind of an interesting album. Uh, Aaron, I think you would like it because it's so eclectic. You you would get a kick out of it. Yeah, I definitely would be interested in checking it out. So um, I will try to see if I can pull up online a link for people to be able to listen to it. Speaking of appearances that may not actually be under your line of appearances, have you been watching the band's selfie cam jams and things that they're doing these days? Oh, yeah. Yes. Very cool. Did you see the one that, and this is going to date when we recorded this podcast, but did you see the one that Stephen put out last night with the the Trans-Canadian Highwaymen? Yeah, that was, oh. That was fantastic. The the video work they did on that too. I don't know how long it took for them to do all that video processing, but ah, oh, well, and it was done by the I want to say um, one of the sons. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name now. Um, one of Steve's? Uh, no, not Steve's sons, but one of the band members' sons. Oh. Can't think of which one now. I was impressed by that though. Man, that sounded good. I disagreed with everybody's opinions on alcohol when this podcast came out, but that song really, that song did a lot for it. They did a great a, job with it. That, that song is a bop, as the kids say. <laughs> is that what the kids these days are saying? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are songs off this. You won't find the whole album, but there are songs off this. So I will put that into the liner notes for this week. What era did that did that cd come out of because it looked like straight up in living color kind of early <laughs> mid 90s graffiti 1995 good call 
nice and this they only ever released one album but it's just very interesting it's all over the place and i kind of like it for that so if you like to hear tyler doing some interesting rapping and you want to hear uh tyler doing a whole bunch of different drums definitely go out and listen to that cool excellent put that on the list as we say goodbye to you eric and thank you for coming we gotta make sure that you close the door on your way out though because I've heard a warning from the radio stations that we are in, not for a storm, but a, like there's a major influx of geese coming in. Like, here come the geese. <laughs> oh, geez. Are they coming from, are they coming from here? But I, I don't know. I don't know where they're coming from. I, I've just been told we got to close all the doors. They're going to be here in the radio the stations, the malls, the high schools. Like, we'll go on to it next week because we got to talk about that song. Don't, don't go walking in the lawn, though. No. <laughs> the ge- but with geese, just geese. Yeah, be- it's because really they're terrifying Canadian. if it's Canada geese. Oh, they're mean. Don't wreck you, you hoser. Don't ever go near that. They are horrible devil geese. Devil geese. Speaking from as a Canadian, like Canadian devil geese, we give them a very wide berth. Yeah, actually, and I don't know if you know the the reason why the the Canada geese are actually so mean. It's actually because um, once a year, all the Canadians gather under the sun and outside gather under the sun, perform a ritual in which we pour all of our hatred and meanness out and it's absorbed by the geese. Is it like weasel stomping day? Yeah. Except it's, uh, day. it's just hatred <laughs> removing day and it goes into the geese and, and oh. they take all our hatred. And then they go south. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we dispense of it. That's how we get rid of it. That's, that's why everyone thinks we're nice. Spread your hatred throughout the world, my children. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so much about my heritage. You'll find that online. I found it online. <laughs> it must be true, then. It's it the Canadian true, yeah. hidden secret. We didn't know that. No. We try <laughs> not to tell Canadians. too many people. <laughs> Which I've ruined now. We just resolve it with guns down here. Nah, don't worry. No one's going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I heard this. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming, Eric. You're always a great, great guest yeah, to have on. Really great to uh, finally meet you, Eric. Thanks again. Thank you, thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to another time. Most nice definitely. to meet you too, Aaron. Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets, except maybe one. I just thought I would listen to start listening to the episode that I was on there today, just to make sure sounded okay and see if i had to make any adjustments right off the bat in my introduction i, I was pretty hard on saker <laughs> i'm not gonna make amends i'm just, just I, I recognized it <laughs> it was it's because the geese were around they were given the hatred yeah yeah you, you weren't yeah. able to take your aggression out into the geese yet it must so. have been the day exactly. before the, the purge probably <laughs> the purge <laughs> the, the, hate purge. the canadian purge yeah <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 